Our scripture lesson that was read earlier came from Matthew's Gospel, a very familiar text, particularly when we consider the season we're in of Lent. Matthew's fourth chapter, reading verses one through four. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The season of Lent is a time when Christians all over the world, irrespective of your denomination, use this as an opportunity for reflection and preparation before the celebration of Easter. The season spans 40 days from Ash Wednesday all the way through to the Easter celebration. And by observing these 40 days, many of us embark on a journey of self-sacrifice in an effort to either commemorate the season or to enter into a deeper relationship with God. Generally speaking, Lent is a time when Christians seek to replicate Jesus' sojourn and withdrawal into the wilderness for 40 days. In observance of the season, Many people usually tend to enter some kind of fast where they give up things like meat, yeah. caffeine, sugar, sweets, you name it. And some people even give up eating completely. But over the years, the season has evolved into not only abstaining from food, but to also now abstain from things like television, the internet, social media, etc. And as a result, the, the, the season of Lent has become an exercise in seeing how long we can go without the things we like. For many people, they can't make it past the first week before giving in to their desire for the thing that they had decided to give up. Just one smell of some fried chicken and the choice is made that I'll fast next season. My point is, the season of Lent has become more about us and less about God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The 40 days has become a time of testing for which many of us fail. Yeah. And yet, while discouragement is sure to set in, there is no accountability for failing. And so we pretend year after year, season after after season that we are holy people and the truth is none of us is fooling God. So today I want to talk about this season of Lent. This time of self-consecration and setting ourselves apart and to see if we can recapture the essence or the meaning of this season so that we are not again faced with another year of having failed to experience God. I have therefore titled this message quite simply, After Lent. After 
Lent. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we have now come to the preaching hour. We're embarking now upon this first Sunday of the Lenten season, Lord, and many of us have already made decisions about what we're going to give up. Many of us have already decided what we're going to do as we consecrate ourselves for these 40 days. But Lord, we pray that we find it in our hearts to realize that the real consecration is not what we give up, but to what we give in. And so, God, we ask you to speak now to your people. Open their hearts and their minds that the worship service has prepared them now to be good ground for the seed that you will sow. And may this period now, as we start the Lenten season, produce at the end of the 40 days fruit in your kingdom. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now, in the prelude to the text that I read in Matthew, Jesus, you know, had been baptized by John the Baptist. And we're reminded that as soon as Jesus came up out of the water, at that very moment, heaven was opened and John the Baptist saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on Jesus. We are then told that John heard a voice from heaven which said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. All of this happened just before the, our text, which then tells tells us that Jesus was now led by that very same spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So right after Jesus has been affirmed by the heavenly father, he's getting ready to begin his earthly ministry. The Bible tells us that the spirit now leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. Now, I want to digress for just a brief moment because just what I have shared about Jesus being led by the Spirit into the wilderness has created a lot of problems for biblical scholars and theologians. It's a problem text. Why? Because the contention has to do with what James says in the first chapter of his book, the 13th through the 14th verses. Here's what James says. Not my words, but James. This is what James says in the context of us understanding that Jesus, after being baptized, is now being led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is what James says. James says, when you are tempted... No one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person, hear it carefully, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. That's what James says. Now, now clearly, according to James, someone can only be tempted when they are enticed out of their own desires. What this means is if you are not attracted to something or you have no desire for something, then that something cannot tempt you. Right? Now, now, now here's what I mean. If you don't like coffee or you don't like meat, if you don't like sweets, then the presence of those things around you cannot tempt you. But, but, but if your desire 
is evil. The presence of evil in your heart is already working as a temptation dragging you towards indulging in that evil thing. And you and I know, you and I know, there is no evil desire in Jesus at all. So based on James's logic, Jesus could not be tempted. According to what I just said, you're only dragged away and tempted based on what's in your heart. Then, then Je- Jesus got no evil in him, so, so he cannot be tempted. But, but, but we also read in the letter to the Hebrews, the second chapter and the 17th to the 18th verse. Here's what it says, and it's talking about Jesus. Here's what it says. For this reason, he, meaning Jesus, had to be made like them. Fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Now, here's the part I want you to hear. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. So so here's what the writer to the Hebrews is really saying. They're making two important points that I don't want you to miss. One, he's saying Jesus is fully human. We know from Philippians that Jesus shed all of his godness, took on the form of humanity, and suffered everything that we suffered. So so the Hebrew, the writer to the Hebrew is saying Jesus was 100% a human being or else he could not have made atonement for me and you. That's the first thing. But the second thing he says is that Jesus himself suffered when he was tempted. We got a problem. Because James is saying Jesus cannot be tempted because there's no evil in him. And the writer to the Hebrews is saying Jesus was fully man and suffered temptation. Otherwise, he couldn't be an atoner for our sins. Which is it? Which is it? And this has caused major problems in the church. What are we to make of this seeming contradiction? I hope you're tracking with me. Either Jesus has no evil desire in him at all, therefore he cannot be tempted, or he's 100% human, just like you and me, who we all know that every person in this room is being tempted one way, shape, or form, or another. So which is it? Well, how do we make sense of this? Well... The answer lies in us allowing the Bible to be its own interpreter. I can't come with fancy words that's going to convince you of anything, but I can tell you what the Bible says. The first thing we need to understand is that we need to make it very clear, first of all, that it was the Holy Spirit that was leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted after his baptism. This is very similar to what God did with the Hebrews when they came out of Egyptian bondage. In Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter, in the 2nd verse, here's what it says. The Lord your God, who? The Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So, in other words, when God was taking the his Israelites through the 40 years of wilderness experience, he was testing them to see what was in their heart. Yes. 
So it didn't really matter if evil was in their heart or not. The test was to prove what was in their heart. The second thing we want to understand is that the devil was the one that did the tempting. God doesn't tempt anyone. And not, neither can he tempt anyone with evil. So, so James is right when he says God cannot be tempted by evil, neither does he tempt anyone. That's the second thing that's important to know. And then the third and final thing we must understand is that Jesus was not tempted by evil. There is no evil in him. But he was tempted by the desire of his heart. Now, I got to make sure you get this. Remember, I said you can only be tempted when you are enticed out of your own desires. That's what I said. And I'm telling you now that Jesus was tempted because of a desire in his heart. The difference is the desire in Jesus' heart was not an evil desire. It wasn't an evil desire. But he had a desire that the devil knew about. So, pastor, what was that desire in Jesus' heart to which he is now going to be Tempted. And you'll see where I'm going with this in this Lenten season. Let's look back at what the text says. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Who By who? The devil, not God. God doesn't tempt anyone. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. So, so, so according to the text, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. We agree. According to the text, Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And according to the text, Jesus was hungry. These three very important things in the text is extremely telling about how you and I are to understand the Lenten season. The temptation of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made did not happen during the 40 days and 40 nights. It happened after. It was after 40 days when he had become hungry that the devil came. The devil didn't come after 10 days. The devil didn't come after 20 days. The devil didn't come after 30 days. He came after 40 days. And he came when the desire of Jesus' heart was to eat. You see? You see? Church, this is why the text tells us Jesus was hungry. You see? When the desire of your heart is for food, then you can only be tempted to have something that's going to satisfy your hunger. This is why the devil said, command these stones to be turned into bread. The devil couldn't tempt Jesus with anything outside of what he desired. And what Jesus desired was food, which, by the way, is a natural desire, not an evil one. So the point for us is not what we give up during Lent whether it be coffee or chocolate or meat or social media. The point is, can you give up for 40 days and still live without it after the 40 days? That's the test. Not before, not during, but what do you do after Lent? For the truth is, it is only what you do after Lent that really means something. And what will make a difference in your life and what will mean something in the kingdom of God. So that then, pastor, what then, pastor, are we to give up? I am glad you asked. I thought very carefully about the imagery that this text used and the symbolism. And I thought carefully about why the Bible would make the correlation between stones and bread. 
And as I pondered the issue more carefully, I, I realized that the text is telling us so much more than a mere refusal of Jesus to the temptation of the devil. And the clue is found in what Jesus said. Here is what I mean. The text says in verse 4, But he answered and said to the devil, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. <laughs> but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I can tell you, I have studied these, I've read these scriptures for years and years. And I thank God that he's still revealing new truths in this text. He answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, now, now before I go too far, he didn't say man shall not live on bread at all. He says on bread alone. Come Holy Spirit. What the devil was really saying to Jesus is exchange the thing that you do not want for the thing that you do want. In other words, give up the hard thing and settle for the easy way out. The bread represents your and my desires, while the stones represent the thing that you do not want because it doesn't offer any value as it pertains to your hunger. But it does not mean that the stones have no value. For the stone that the builder refuses shall become the head cornerstone. You see, you see, I want stones, but not to satisfy my desire for hunger. You see, the devil is trying to trick Jesus into thinking, if I can get you to misuse something that has a different purpose, I can turn you and make you do what I want to do, and you no longer can claim to be God. For I was able to tempt you in your desire for something that you don't need. Now, 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 here's what I want you to be clear on. I'm asking you to think differently about this text that you're very familiar with as we consider our Lenten journey. Sure, Jesus was capable of turning stones to bread. Absolutely. Sure, Jesus was capable of choosing the easy way out. Sure, Jesus was capable of following after his own desires. But Jesus knew that if he delighted himself in the Lord, the Lord would give him the desires of his heart. You see, I can be hungry for bread, and I'm really hungry and want the bread, but I can go and try to give myself bread and satisfy myself by any means necessary, but I know, and Jesus knows, that if I delight myself in the Lord, Whatever desires I have in my heart will be provided by him and not anyone else. Jesus was not concerned about what he was experiencing during the 40 Lenten days. Jesus was more concerned about what would happen after Lent. That's the meaning of this season. Obedience under pressure. 
Obedience under pressure is what Lent really means. Sure, you can put the ash on your forehead. Sure, you can give up the things you want. But can you be obedient when everything around you is saying, give in to your desires? And oh, by the way, the Bible reminds us that we're all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Therefore, everyone's heart desire is never ever towards the things of God. So now here it is, you are, you are forced to make a choice and a decision during this Lenten season to either give into the flesh or to allow God to feed you in your hearts. This is forward looking. And Jesus says, Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. God is saying, Jesus is saying, don't worry about what the devil is using to, to mask and to pull you over this side, making you do something that he has, that has not been ordained for you to do. He, man, I hope you all are getting this. So, so, so here's my challenge during this Lenten season. It's not merely to do the religious thing by giving up some simple minor pleasure. Let, let, let us not look to, the, to live on bread alone, but let us look to the really hard things in life and try to deal with those things for Lent. I'm reminded of what Jesus said when he was talking to the Pharisees and the scribes. And, and he said these, he said these words, in Matthew, the 23rd chapter and the 23rd verse, here's what Jesus said. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you, church people, you hypocrites. For, for you tithe, mint, dill, and cumin. In other words, you, you do what is required, right? But you have neglected the weightier things and the provisions in the law. Things like justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But these things are the things you should have done without neglecting. In other words, don't live on bread alone, but you want to do also the things that are hard, the things that are difficult, the things that have meaning in the kingdom. Don't just, don't just turn, don't just look to the bread and leave the stone as if it doesn't matter. Look sometimes to the hard stuff. This is what, this is what I'm talking about. You know, we can live on, we, we, we can think that we can live on bread alone, the easy stuff. But when we take on the hard things, justice, mercy, faithfulness, service, forgiveness for those who have harmed us. Those are the hard things. And we do those things in addition to the churchy and religious things. It's not either or, it's both and. And if we can make that kind of sacrifice then we'll not be living on bread alone, but on everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is what is most important and what it means to live a victorious life after Lent. For after Lent, we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. After Lent, we should love our neighbors as ourselves. After Lent... We should care for the orphans and the widows. After Lent, we should care for the least of these in our communities. After Lent, we should feed the hungry. After Lent, we should clothe the naked. After Lent, we should shelter the homeless. This is what Lent is all about. 
It's about making the choice to start doing the things that really matter. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to then lose his own soul? So, my church brothers and sisters, for these 40 days of this particular Lenten season, let's forget about the things we're only planning to give up, which we're going to use again after Lent. And instead, consecrate ourselves over the next 40 days, looking for ways to be a blessing in the lives of other people and start to create habits, habits that, 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 that mean something to people. Start to use this Lenten 40 days to be different around the people that you know. Let that be your Lenten sacrifice. If you know that you are having a hard time forgiving, cultivate a, a, a discipline to forgive. If you know that you are, you are struggling with, with envy or whatever it is, or, or, or just relationships, cultivate a culture over these next 40 days that will allow you to be able to keep on doing it after Lent. This too is a form of sacrifice. And in doing it, my brothers and my sisters, believe me when I tell you, you will be a whole different person after Lent. Jesus was tempted, not during the 40 days, as I shared with you before. Jesus was tempted after. You see, I can give up something for 40 days if I know I'm going to pick it up again. Then it's not a real sacrifice. Because right after the 40 days, I'm going to go buck wild on that thing that I was missing for that period. But after 40 days, can people look at you and say, something is different about you. Where you've given up something that was literally killing you. We talked about our eating habits, right? Okay, well, we want to stop eating something that we know is not good for us, but after Lent, we want to keep stop eating that thing. Let that be the real change. But the things, the weightier things that matter are the things that deal with our relationship and how we relate to each other. That's the meaning of Lent. A changed heart, not a change in behavior for a few days. So I invite you now to all stand because the beginning of Lent really begins for all of us at the place where we are first in relationship with God. If you are here in this church today and you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart for yourself, then Lent means nothing to you because you could consecrate yourselves all you want, but until your heart has been consecrated for Jesus, then you're just following the motions. So if you're here today and you're never, you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart for yourself, let that be the one sacrifice that makes all sacrifices meaningful. Give your heart to the Lord today.